it's time to kickstart your confidence. In this podcast, you will hear open and honest interviews with business owners and like-minded people who have struggled and then how they've overcome their own issues. Listen to their real-life struggles and personal accounts of how they've changed their lives and continue to do so on a daily basis. Get rid of stress, own your own space and thoughts. It's time to take control, build your personal health and well-being improve as you travel with us on this journey. And now your host, former British champion, owner and chief instructor of Hastings Kickboxing Academy and third Dan Black Belt, Carl Denning. Hi, it's Carl here and today I'm with a good friend of mine, Stuart Bailey, and we're going to sit down and we're going to chew the fat on a few bits and pieces throughout his life. He, uh, he started his own business back in 1992. Um, he went on to work for Dog World in 2003, and then in 2017, he went into property. So he's changed direction in his life quite a few times. So hello and welcome, Stuart. Hello, Carl. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for your time today. No, I'm, I'm delighted to come and do this. Right, so for once, we're turning the microphone <laughs> around, because normally it's, it's me under the microphone, so Stuart is going to... Um, go under the cosh, so to speak. And we're going to cover quite a few things like um, self-relevance, stress, anxiety. We're going to talk about medication. Med- medication. Put your teeth back in. Taking a risk, <laughs> yeah. I'm not that old yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're just going to cover kind of a few points throughout throughout your life. And we're also going to talk about um, kind of our luck mm-hmm. and we make our own luck. And yep. Um, we'll probably touch on the snowflake era, though, I'd imagine, at some point as well. <laughs> I suspect so. Uh, so, okay, let's... You've changed direction in your life quite a few times. Yeah, and, and that's all come about through circumstance. I mean, I, I, I go back to when I was 16, 17, weaving school in 1978. Um, and, yeah, if I was drawing a roadmap of where I wanted to be at that point, you know, I'm I'm not where that map would have taken me because life kind of blows you off course at times yeah. and you you meet somebody um, you get married things happen you have children and you sometimes you have to um, rein in your ambition a little bit I mean if I had followed my I mean interestingly there's something you probably don't know about me when I left school I went to agricultural college because okay. all of my mother's family had been in farming for uh, I reckon we were the first generation of my mother's family not to be in farming yeah. so I went to agricultural college that realised that that kind of wasn't for me but when I went into newspapers and went into journalism you know if, if my route map would have taken me to the stage where I would have been the new Michael Parkinson that was kind of the ambition <laughs> yeah because you're not from down south are you nah mate I'm not <laughs> um, yeah no come originally from Scotland yeah. um, central Scotland Although I've spent most of my life in Dumfries and Galloway, which is southwest corner, and most people kind of know that, unfortunately, because of the Walkerbee disaster, that really yeah. put Dumfries and Galloway in the map. Um, I know we moved down here in 2001, and in fact moved in next door to you. Yes, <laughs> and that's where the journey started. <laughs> exactly. I apologise now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I met Stuart, he, um, as he said, you moved in next door. Yep. Um, and we did, I, I suppose we just kind of got on from there, didn't we? Yeah, ex- exactly. I mean, th- that was it. We saw each other in passing. And then I've always really been fascinated by kind of what you've done. Um, and to the extent, I suspect that's why, why we, we get on. Because, you know, I've I've looked on and kind of admired your journey. And, you know, the, the BT days, the days where you were juggling everything. Yeah. Um, and now you, you, your new place is... I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing that opening see where it goes yeah go away COVID yeah um, so there's, there's a couple of things so taking a risk or a, a chance we've talked about this thousands yep. of times yep. and a lot of people are quite happy to sit in a comfort bubble um, they're not prepared to take a step or a risk yep. um, and many people say to me a lot and I'm sure they have to you is oh you're so lucky you've got that or you know, ha- you know yep. that come as if it's materialised out of thin air. Yeah. And, you know, we've chatted a lot about it, but like taking risks, chances and changes in direction, which you've done a lot. Yeah. As, as I seen going back to that one when I was probably 19 and realised that farming was not for me as a as a career, as a, as a, as a profession. And, and if you go back to those days in the late 1970s when I left school, 
I mean, less than 20% of people went on to university. You could have went to university if you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, videos, yeah. or something like that. Um, most of you went into jobs. So, you know, agriculture wasn't for me. Newspapers were always my kind of second favourite. Both my brothers were in newspapers. Dad, although never a sort of formal journalist, did a bit of writing. He published 10 novels in the late 1950s. Oh, I stuff like that. Um, so kind of writing and, and that kind of thing was, was, was there. And th- that period of time, the newspaper industry was going through a bit of a transition and finding jobs wasn't easy. And I literally wrote to everybody, the, the big groups, the independents, and I eventually got a, a job interview with a paper called the Galloway Gazette, which is based in South West Scotland. And, you know, good interview, guy seemed to like me. Um, we left him saying he'd be in touch when something became available. I waited a couple of weeks and didn't hear anything. And from then on, that was about the April of 1981. And literally, I phoned him every week until he gave me a job <laughs> in, the, in the October. But if I hadn't done that, yeah. and if I had sat back and waited for him to phone me, by the time that opportunity came up in October, he'd have seen other people and yeah. they'd have been in his mind. But I kept myself. I, 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 I wanted that job yeah. and I was going to have it. And it's about, it's about not sitting back waiting for things to come to you if you want something you have to go out and make it happen. Yeah, uh, I was literally just chatting to um, uh, I one of my members in last week who suffers with, <coughs> excuse me, quite a lot of mental health and saying exactly the same to her that um, she's applying for jobs. There's no yep. jobs out there. There's plenty of jobs out there, but yep. you, you do have to go and apply. And there are lots of people applying for, you know, mm-hmm. one or two jobs. I said, but, I said, so what have you done? She goes, well, I've applied and, and that was it. And it, it's not a massive like Tesco's, it's not a huge yep. chain. It's a it's a private company. I said, well, have you rung them? Well, no, I just sent my CV off. Well, ring them, email them, text them, Facebook them, Instagram them. Yep. Like get you on the front of of their uh, on their mind to go. Oh, this this girl's really keen. It's something that makes you stand out. I, I remember a colleague of mine. Um, they were in the PR business. And they'd advertised a job. And again, I'm showing my age because this goes back to the early 80s because the the application letter came in handwritten, but it came in in a piece of black black paper written in gold ink. Wow. And, you know, that was, that made us stand out. Yeah. I remember when I started my first business, which again was a public relations agency, and when you your note paper, your, your, your letterhead was kind of important in those days because yep. you still sent physical letters. And I remember selecting this really nice um, laid paper. It, it felt different. Yeah. And first couple of clients I landed when I went to see them said, oh, yeah, you, you, your, your note paper's really nice. And as soon as it came out the envelope and people touched it, it yep. felt different. So it's it's those big things, little things... But the, you know, the first one is that get on the phone, email, as you say, email, use social media, do stuff that makes you, yourself stand out from the crowd. I mean, the good thing is now that you can you can literally get in touch with anyone. Like like you say, years ago, you had to write a handwritten letter yep. and you had to make that stand out. And it was just a handwritten letter. You couldn't pick up a mobile phone. You couldn't Facebook them. You couldn't DM them. You couldn't stalk them on Instagram. Um, <laughs> so it, for, it is actually... Although it's a faster paced life, it is actually a lot easier to get into contact. I mean, I can jump on my phone now and go to Clubhouse and be talking to, you know, Rob Moore, mm-hmm. um, Richard Branson, you know, yep. really, really high influential people that are on um, software packages, programs, uh, apps on your phone that you can just click a button and start talking to them. Grant Cardone, they're all on it. Yep, absolutely. Um, it, it, it's, it's just if you've got yeah. the balls to jump up and that's, put your hand in the air. That's, that's right. And in actual fact, you're using those social media tools make it easier because quite often it's that thing about making the phone call and speaking to somebody. It's not asking the girl out, yes. isn't it? I'll, <laughs> ring him, I'll, I'll, ring, no, I'll ring in a minute. I'll ring yeah. after the break. Yeah. No, I'll half dial with the number. Yeah. Um, and they can just Snapchat. Yeah, exactly. Well, not that I do that. I'm happily married. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so... 
social media gives you so many more outlets and nothing frustrates me more. And, and I see this a lot with, with, with young people and obviously I've, I've, I've employed people over the years. And it is that one that, oh, I, you know, I want to do X, well, I, want to, I want to be a writer, I want to be this, I want to be that, I want to be a champion World boxer. champion kickboxer, but I only want to try in once a week. Once a week, week. yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's not going to happen. And no. you, you really, when opportunities present themselves, you have to jump on them and take them. Yeah, um, lock stock. Yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah. And, and it, you, some people are more risk averse. I think you and I are quite prepared to... Mm. To go out there. I mean, I remember when we said we were moving down here, um, and that which must have been a huge back then, a massive step. It was. I mean, the kids were twelve, nine, and six. Um, so yeah, it, it was big, and it was kind of one of those. Ones, I came down um, and worked initially with the business that my brother-in-law had, and the view always was that you know, that would bring us down get us settled. We were in a real rut back where I was. Um, I had I, I had sort of run the PR agency in Dumfries for seven years. It kind of didn't go where I wanted it to go. Yeah. Um, so I went back to work for the company that I'd, I'd worked for for many years um, and stayed there. But that was, you're going, taking a step back, going backwards is, is never yeah. a great look. So I'd been back with them a couple of years and it would, just one of those silly New Year's conversations with hmm. probably too much alcohol had been consumed. <laughs> and my brother-in-law and I chatted, and within a couple of months I'd handed him my notice and we were, we were heading down. And the funny thing about that, when I think back to some of the really big decisions, like starting the first business, like moving down here, like buying Dog World, um, all of those things which you see as these really huge decisions, didn't seem to take a, a lot of debate, conversation. It just seemed right instinctively. Yeah. And it's, that's something else. People people don't rely on their instinct anymore. Yeah. Um, but you know instinctively when something's right. Yeah. And as you know instinctively when it's the right time to get into something, you know instinctively when yeah. the right time is to get out of it as well. And I think a lot of people get themselves... You know, that rut I was saying we were in in Scotland. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people who at the age of 40 would have sat in that rut and become bitter. And yeah. after 20 years... Mm. Yeah, and bitch and moan about. And yeah. it is it is very easy to take the easy option, which, oh, is, without which a doubt. is sit in the rut. I mean, as you were saying that, I was just thinking, you know, we've just moved from Brookway to the other side of Hastings. Mm. Um, the, the, the mental choice of going... Like I think we should move facilities. We've we have the, had an opportunity for a better building, a better location mm. to come up. It's a simple sentence, and I turn around and say to my team, "Right, we're moving gym." They all had a mini meltdown, <laughs> and I'm like, "No, it'll be fine." Now the conversation of should we move? Yes, let's move. Is is you know, it's as easy as mm. saying that. It's then the physical work, as you know, we've spent six to eight weeks. I've been doing 16, 18 hour days, pretty much seven days a week with a team of. Well, some days just me and then some days more. Um, it's what comes after that decision. That, yeah. But it's that's that risk, that's that jump, isn't it? Now, we haven't opened yet because of COVID, but we have, we've moved across town, so there will be some people that are happier with, with this side of town. There'll be some people that we will we'll lose because we're at the other side of town and they don't drive. There'll be people that... Well, I'm saying there are people that won't like the new place, but I, I mean, I've, as you... As we said earlier, as we had a quick walk round, I've poured my heart and soul into this place, yep. as I did the other place. Yep. And what was really nice is the first thing you said when you walked in was how how much better it feels already, and it's still a building site in my mind. That's yeah, that's right, and it, it does. It's that it's that air of professionalism. It just looks yeah more complete. And it's the the again we're talking about this. It's the improvements you've made that you didn't actually realise need made. Yeah. But now you see them, you think, oh yeah, that's yeah yeah. I mean, I, the last building was a warehouse and we, as you know, we were in there then we expanded and expanded and kind of took over next door. And for us, it was a kind of we made the best mm. out of what we had at the time, whereas we've moved in here fresh slate. We ripped all the ceilings out, the walls out, and then we've started again. Yep. So this did give me blank canvas. So everything that I wanted to do in the other place that I couldn't, 
I've now done here. Now people are going to be like, oh, you're so lucky, you've got a great gym. And, but there was nothing about luck here at all. It, and, and there's nothing about, it, about luck about what you've done. And you touched at the very beginning there about your, your days with BT. And you were doing, what, eight, nine hours a day with BT? Yeah, well, were, yeah, well, yeah, as good as ten with, yeah, with that lunch break, yeah. Finishing, coming back, you were going to the gym. You know, you were working you know, literally all the hours. I had an eBay of, business of as well. <laughs> um, and, and that thing about success, you know, success comes in direct proportion to the amount of hard work that you put in. 100%. You know, work, you make your own work. Mm. You, you make your own work by being alert and aware to changing circumstances. You know, if you're not happy with something, don't stay doing it. Don't stay there um, and, and become bitter. Yeah. You have the chance to do something about it. There are some elements of life today which I think make those big changes more difficult. And there's one instance in my own career I think back to, and I kind of got as far as I was going to be able to get in terms of my job as a reporter with the company I was with. And this job came up as a circulation and marketing manager, which was responsible for the sales of the newspaper. And I applied for that. So I had the interview. Um, the MD gave me a second interview, sent me up to Glasgow to see the, the, his bosses. And when I came back, went to see him, and he said, well, you, know, look, it's, you don't really have the experience the, the the right on paper you don't have the right qualifications yeah. he said but what you've said in all the interviews has, has impressed me so we're going to take a punt on you Amazing. and that was 88 yeah, 1988 these days I don't think Keith would have taken a punt because I think the corporate world has moved on so much that I don't think people would be comfortable taking that kind of punt anymore Yeah. so, you know, so but equally you've got lots more Small businesses, yeah, um, and and you look at where you're going to be up at Castleholm, and you look at the small businesses that are around there, yeah, and those are the ones where the boss, the owner, is still going to be making the hiring and firing decisions, yeah, and that's where I come back to do something that makes you stand out, make sure he knows you, she knows you, whatever, just yeah. get yourself, um, don't be the shy retiring violet at the back of the the room, get you, you fight your way to the front. And there's so many metaphors between sport mm. and business and career and, and what you want to do. Yeah, one um, thing I've learned recently, w over the last few years recently, is having value. So whatever, like you said, whether it be a boss, an employee, if you're in a relationship, even when you go and do your shopping, why do you go to Tesco's or Sainsbury's or Lidl? Because it adds value to you. Yep. So and again what car you drive and so on everyone has a value so if it's not worth the value you won't buy it or spend mm. time on it and if you value that time then you will spend time and money on it no different to a relationship if you value your partner then you'll spend more time with them and you'll spend money on them because you love them and if you don't value them then you will start looking elsewhere yep and it, it can be as simple as that do you value so if people value hka if people, you know, have value in what we offer to give them, then they'll spend money here. Um, and if they don't value what we do, they'll go elsewhere. And following on from that, people have to value themselves. 100%. Um, because that's kind of the first step. Um, I've heard something somewhere, before you can truly love someone else, you have to be able to love yourself. Yes. Um, and, that, and that's very true. Um, and you have to... But I, I, us saying that... And given the way we do things and the way our businesses have, have, have grown and developed, I suspect you and I will prob are probably the type of people who will focus on the stuff that hasn't gone quite as well. Mm -hmm. And you sometimes you actually need people to, to, to say, well, wait a minute, look what, you, look what you've done. You know, when I bought Dog World in 2005, I'd worked there since 2003, realised fairly early on that you know, it was a potentially good business that was not um, being driven to its full potential. Yeah. So I didn't know how to buy a business. I didn't know how to borrow a million quid. Um, <laughs> Which is a fair sum of money. It is. But so you, you, you find the right people to ask and you get good people around you. Yeah. And they answer the questions. 
and it makes it quite not easy, but it makes it relatively straightforward. Yeah. Um, and it is that way. You know, if I'd sort of looked at that and thought, "Oh, there's a potential here," but I'll just wait. You know, I'll just sit back and do what I did. Yeah. But you know, we 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 we, we steered that through. You know, there were there were. The issues, if you think what buying a house is like, then you're buying a business is 10 times more complicated yeah. than that. And they say buying a house is one of the most stressful, stressful things, things to do. do. So buying a business is yep. above that. Um, but, you know, we, we, we got there. Um, and so that was, yeah, but the buyout was completed in 2007. And I closed Dog World down in 2017 because you know, we got to a point, the industry was such that you know, newspaper publishing is so hard to make money out of. Yeah. And I looked at it and I thought, well, I've got, as part of the deal when we bought the thing, we bought the building, the yeah. half thousand square foot building. And I thought, well, I've got this. I can make a profitable business out of that. Yeah. I'm going to really struggle and have to put an awful lot of investment into the publishing side of the business. Yeah. Um, and it just didn't seem to warrant the effort that was required for actually no guaranteed outcome. And if you look at the way newspaper sales have continued to decline, yeah. and especially over the last year, God. Um, yeah, because on I guess in online has yep. completely destroyed that. Exactly. Um, so, so did you know did you noticed uh, a decline or a shift in dog world and you had to make that decision to go, right, it's doing well, we've pushed, we push, and then yep. at some point you've gone we need to think about this. Yeah. Make that decision. I mean if you take the t- from probably from about two thousand and seven to 2010, 2011, everything was it was, it was great. Um, yeah. All the stuff I'd said I would do, we did. Um, made the progress that I wanted to make. And then as we kind of came out of the, the the financial crisis of the of, of those years that kind of started in 2008, um, the newspaper industry always goes through cycles. And when the, when the economy is in recession, advertising revenue drops away yeah but you can manage your way through that and then it comes out the other end and what happened or what i think happened in those 2012 2013 years was that we didn't come out of that advertising sales drop and we had a double whammy because that's when online started you know, facebook social media really started to yeah. um come into its own so there was lots of information that we were providing that people were able to get online. Oh, about them. Yep. Yeah. Um, so you know, that then hit circulation, because um, you circulate, and we we did spend a lot of money in developing the online side of the business. Yeah. And while we grew revenues on the online side of the building you know, from nothing to about two hundred fifty three hundred thousand pounds wow, well over. A few, but we dropped the print side of the business had lost seven hundred and fifty thousand quid a year. <laughs> yeah, so it, it didn't balance up. Yeah, and as I say, it was going to require lots of investment, probably borrowed money, no guarantee that we'd actually sort of get you know, out the other end. Yeah, and actually, with what's happened since two thousand and seventeen, it just reinforces the correctness of the decision. Yeah, so at the time, it must have been difficult, but in hindsight, and now where we are now it's, yep. it was definitely the right decision to it, do it, it was but, and also you're dealing not just with yourself but you know, we, at that point we were employing 22, 23 people yeah. so you, you've got you know, the fact that you're going to make them redundant is is a big part of the decision but again it's about getting the right people around you Yeah. and I found some really good advisors um, who just you know, went through went through all the plans went through all what I thought we needed to do um, and yeah, I just kind of smoothed the path, opened you. I, when I say open doors, I mean, you, you get to a wall and you think, shit, you know, what, yeah. what, what do I do Uh-oh, now? Stuck. And, and, you, and they knock down the bricks and created the door and you, you move on to, yeah. to the next problem. So yeah, it's about, yeah, it's a, but if you, I could have sat back and just crashed into the wall. Yeah, and um, I think that's what we see a lot of now. Yep. Uh, more so as life goes on, because it's easier to sit at home, um, sit down the internet, 
again, generally, if you look at the news or, or surf, most things it's mainly negative because negative yep. stuff sells. Oh. No different to a newspaper. Yep. You know, a negative story will sell better than someone going, oh, look how well they've done. It does, but what I'd, and I'd, I'm rather ashamed of my profession because um, although I now you know, earn my living through property, I still see myself as a journalist. Yeah. And with the Hastings and Focus website... But yours is one of the only that. papers that I read that is positive. There's me saying about negative, but... But, but, but yeah, I look at some of what's being done by the national papers, and yeah, there's a classic one I saw, Guardian and Telegraph, so opposing political uh, opinions. And the Telegraph had created this kind of positive story about infection numbers... And the Guardian, this negative one. So being me, I sort of went away and looked at the data they'd used. Yeah. And looking at the data they'd used, both of the stories were perfectly correct. Yeah. But what they'd done is they'd used the points they'd counted between. So they were counting between different dates. Okay. So they were able to create stories that suited the narrative. Yeah. Over the weekend, you know, the Daily Mail ran a story saying the R rate's down to 06 while the observer will say, oh, no, it's still 1.1, 1.2. What's right? <laughs> and if all you're relying on is the headline, yeah. you're getting bad information. Yeah, and someone literally said to me yesterday, oh, the R rate's still over one. Yes. But what what do you believe? Exactly. You know? and, and, and you roll the clock back 30, 40 years, or maybe it's just because I'm an old fart and I believe this. <laughs> um, I think the quality of the information we were being given was better yeah. because it was better checked and it was better researched. Yeah. Um, whereas now we're online and it's get it on there as quickly as we can. Yeah. And it's it's such a fast pace, no one challenges it because nope. there's so much out there yep. and it changes daily. And so <laughs> wandering slightly off type, but <laughs> if you <coughs> if you look at some of the, the talk radio stations and the phone in radio stations, people are phoning in making all sorts of assertions yeah. and claiming all sorts of things to be factually accurate. Without any recourse <laughs> to checking or whatever. Yeah. Um, and somebody who's you know, not really clued up is going to come away saying, oh, yeah, that's somebody yeah. said on the radio. Yeah. Shout it was, on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, it was exactly. Yeah. It was on the radio. It must be true. Yeah. Um, so and I suppose that brings us back to the self-reliance thing. You know, don't trust what you're being told. Yeah. You do your own checking um, because there's, there's lots of information yeah. there. Um, and what's a good information there? Um, I mean, fa- factually, and I can say this because these are my facts as opposed to mm. what I've read. Um, I know six months ago, I know two or three people that caught COVID, yep. inverted commas. Um, now, obviously, it's spread quite uh, a bit more serious and it's mm. a bit stronger. I probably know, say, 25 people that have got yep. it. Out of the 25, I know one that has died from COVID. Mm. And I know four people that have died from COVID, but they haven't died from COVID. They've died from a car crash, suicide, choking on a bit of steak, and um, one other reason. But my point is, it went down on their death certificate that they died of COVID. Yep. But they didn't die of COVID. Yep. Um, they died of something completely different. <laughs> so when them statistics go into the final figure, now I'm not saying COVID isn't real, because it definitely mm-hmm. is real, and it is definitely killing a lot of people. But what I'm saying is, when we read, oh, we've hit... It, my wife said the other day she said oh my god like have you seen the headline a thousand people have died from um a hundred thousand people have died from covid and i'm like yeah but from what i know as in my best friend and a good friend of mine's Mm. friend i know five maybe six that have inverted commas died from covid Mm. but only one has been covid the other four have been something completely different so if you take a hundred thousand people and take out 80 percent yep all of a sudden that number's a bit different and the the other thing that it's that's happened is that social media has really shown its worst side. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and it, it's it's oh, it, it just if it wasn't for the fact that work requires me to be on social media, yeah, I would very happily at the moment just delete switch it. <laughs> switch it, switch it all off. Yeah, um, because it's very polarized, and you know, if you dare say anything. Um, yeah. I'll probably get lynched for saying oh, what I've just said. Oh, well, well, absolutely. But, you know, my experience of COVID is I know three people who've had it, um, and they've all had symptoms of a mild cold. Yeah. Um, well, it's, not, it's no different to a flu. Yep. And again, I'll probably get shot for saying that. Oh, yes. But when I say it's no different to a flu, what I mean is you could get the flu, 
and be on death's door, yep. bedridden for three weeks, yep. I could get the flu and have a snivel. Yep. Because it's a virus and it's how it affects us individually. Because it depends on our immune system and our mm-hmm. DNA. Uh, and COVID is the same in respects. You could get it and have a bit of a cough, mm-hmm. and then I could get it and be in intensive care. Yep. Because we're all completely different. We react, we act, we react to it very differently. And, 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 you know, and there again, it's another issue with the modern world. We, we expect everything and everybody to react to the same thing in the same way. Yeah. And that doesn't happen because we have an emotional response, we have a physical response. We you know, we all are our parents, our grandparents, our great grandparents' children, and we all in our genes carry you know, their diseases. Yeah. Um and I always say to my kids that, you know, my parents' families both live to be quite um old as to have my wife's parents' families, so yeah, they're in a good place. <laughs> <laughs> we live to be older. We don't seem to have terribly many health issues. Not sure if I want to get that old. I don't know if I want my children cleaning and wiping me if I'm brutally yeah, honest. Yeah, and, and, and there is, there is that, living. There's that thing about quality of life mm. over quantity of life. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Um, so talking about quality of life and age, I know you've you've been under some fire for this but uh, invoke again people say boxing at your age yeah yes that's bizarrely is something i'm incredibly proud of um winding back to school i was i was not a natural sportsman at school um you know i've never really grown up so you're um, not six foot two 13 stone elite ex- exactly <laughs> you know I'm, I'm short i'm dumpy i'm you know all of those things um, so yes, yeah, so I you when I was inevitably last to be picked for the football team, and I was put in goal. Um, so <laughs> I, I didn't. So sport was kind of one of those things. You know, age of late twenties, I took up squash because some friends of mine were and got reasonably good at squash. Then when I was in my early thirties, my son needed something, so we we found this judo club. Yeah, and Simon went off to that. And I used to go along with him and I'd take a magazine because it was quite nice, just this hour, him in the mats doing stuff, and I could just sit. To and, switch off yes. and have some meat on. But what happened, of course, is the, the swap over between the kids and the adult session. All the adults, yeah, you come on, you, you, you come and try this. <laughs> and eventually I thought, I'll do it once. So took up judo. For the first time, I found a sport that my body shape was suited to. <laughs> um, and did, you know, did reasonably well. I, mean, I got my Dan grade within a, a few years. Um, you know, I've, I've got a respectable competition record, I think. Um, and so really enjoyed that. And also discovered that I actually quite like fighting with people. Hmm. Um, which you know, I'm sure in this, this squeaky clean world of ours today is something that we're probably not supposed to see. It probably demonstrates my toxic masculinity. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, we, we did various other things. I did a boot camp when I was, a week-long boot camp when I was 50, where we did some boxing. Yeah. And I think I spoke to you when I came back from mm-hmm. that, because we'd only done pads. We hadn't actually punched each, each other, yeah. but I quite wanted to. Um, <laughs> so I came to a couple of classes you did. Yeah. Then friends of mine, we did. We used to sort of rent high for me for, for an hour or so, and we'd, we'd come and punch each other. Yeah. So this thing came up, Victory Boxing, which was run by Ed Lofts. Yeah. And I think he did a couple of seasons of it. And I looked at it and thought, I really want to do that. Um, but I was in my early 50s and I'd look stupid. Yeah, well, for the people that don't know, the, the victory boxing was a 10-week? Ten, 10 weeks course, yes. 10-week course, and then at the end of the 10 weeks, uh, but you, you got in the ring and had a punch-up. In front of 750 people. <laughs> what um, could go wrong? Exactly. <laughs> um, but so, again, what a big leap, what a big oh. step, what a big challenge. Again, it was not like you was 21. No. No offence. And... I, I know that you come under a lot of fire from some of your people going, so you're, you're going to do this 10-week intense training yeah. and then you're going to get in the ring and have a like yeah. at your age. Yes, exactly. Um, and so you did. And I did. And But it, you know, I was probably, I think the first fight I had, I was 55. And I don't think I've ever been as fit mm. because knowing what you're going to do at the end of those 10 weeks requires a kind of commitment and a focus that I've never known before. Yeah. So I was doing the two sessions a week for the bo- for the, the boxing training. Yeah. I was seeing a personal trainer 
once if I could squeeze it in another and then I was doing stuff on my own which was a bit of a mistake we'll come to that <laughs> way. Um, and the way I finally got to enter it was I said to a good friend of mine you, you, you know Sean I said well, yeah. I'd, I'll do it if you do it and then we decided that we'd we'd been having scraps at your place yeah. for ages so you know let's let's have a proper fight let's get properly judged and see who wins yeah and I don't know about you but the my closest friends are the people I'm probably most competitive with. Mm, yeah. So, you know, there's no way Sean was going to beat me. And he didn't. Um, <laughs> Sorry, but I, Sean. But I, I've never known such determination, focus, um, your absolute... Um, yeah, laser stripe. Yes. Yeah. Um, and on the day, it was... Do you think that helped you at your age? Um, I think it helped me... I suppose I've, as I got older, I started to become conscious of my age. Yeah. And if I turned up at a kickboxing class or a jiu-jitsu class or something, yeah, I'd look like this stupid old man. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so it, it probably did help. I, I, can still, I can still do it. I, I was a member of Hastings Rotary at the time. And when I went to boxing, I felt like the old man. Yeah. And then when I went to Rotary, I felt really quite young. <laughs> um but yeah, it was it was it was it was it was a fantastic experience walking out in front of those those people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just I I and it was also that thing. An interesting thing about the, the, the exercise as a whole and, and the people who were on it is you look at people who train and they look really good, and you think oh, they're going to have no problem, mm-hmm. and then they walk out there in front of those seven hundred and fifty people and their nerves go um, yeah. and they're shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I did that once. And then had to do it again. And it's a feeling you can't explain for the people that are listening that that, uh, are sort of possibly struggling to comprehend it. Until you've done it, you can't explain it. I I had done a lot of judo competition. um, And it was because if you're doing a judo competition, it's it's the other competitors who are watching. There isn't an audience as such. You've got no one shouting your name. (coughs) Excuse me. Or while still shouting your opponent's name. Um, (laughs) So you, so you don't have that. With boxing, it was really weird. I remember I came into the ring first. Sean came in second. And I had, from my corner, I'd kind of fixed my eyes on the the opposite corner, roughly mm-hmm. where I knew he his head level would be. Yeah. So that when he arrived, I was staring straight. All these silly little games. Yeah. And then when we were pulled into the middle... Just as we were about to go back to our corners, I winked at him. <laughs> and, and afterwards, he said, why did you do that? That, that put me off. Yeah. And it, but it was those little things. And kind of as soon as the bell went, and having just said you hear people calling your name, you do, but there's also a silence. Mm-hmm. There's also a, a stillness. Yeah. And it's kind of you and the other guy. I don't know whether it's the yeah. same in team games or what, what have you, but I, I, I found that absolute determination and focus um, and, and as you know I, I um, ruptured my bicep halfway mm. through the first round um, but somehow you know yeah something's hurting but sod yeah. it we'll worry about I'll, it tomorrow I'll, 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 keep, I'll keep going yeah. um, and then the second fight I had because I had to do it again and my opponent was a 23 year old um, and I don't think anybody expected you know that's a 30 odd year age difference mm, which is a which is a fair yes, cap in the fighting and, world and he didn't come out for the second round <laughs> <laughs> which and, and I think that is particularly satisfying mm. um, because I I had this game plan in mind and I knew that he was you know, young fit or, and I knew he could dance around me and probably sort of jab away and and, and I realised I kind of had to close him down get him against the in the corner against the ropes whatever yeah. And he allowed me to do that. Yeah. Um, and a, a couple of friends of mine who were watching, and, and we watched it back in video, there's a couple of sort of big um, hooks I sort of land, um, and one of them said, he said, I've been in the receiving end of that. I know how that hurts. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, it's just, it. yeah, I'm really proud of, of the three fights I had, the three wins I had. Yeah. I, I could, Undefeating. I could possibly, yeah, I could possibly even be persuaded to do it again, but Amazing. it was it was the absolute focus, the absolute determination, yeah. and there's nobody else in there, but you, yeah. And if you're going to win, it's and, and this comes back to I suppose the fundamental of, of, of what we were talking about earlier. You, you have to put the effort in. 
if you don't train, you'll get beaten to a pulp. Yeah. Um, if you do train and you train really hard and you and you focus and you're determined, and that's what I'm saying, the, the analogies between sport and life. Yeah. And you have to use those lessons from the boxing ring and apply them to your everyday life. Yeah, you have um, to be prepared be, to do yes. what others won't. Exactly. If you're out running at six o'clock in the morning, yep. if you're still at the gym at 10 o'clock at night, putting your body through hell, yep. then you stand a much better chance because you're prepared to go where others aren't. It, and that's it, the same in business. It's also an interesting thing about, I think, the human condition and, and the way we are, is that you, Sean and I are, are really good friends. Um, but when that bell went, you know, that, the, the, you know, that we, we weren't. Um, yeah. And it is, you know, you, you kind of do what you have to do to win. Mm. Um, I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm not suggesting bending, but you know, in, in terms of... Within you know, the rules and the boundaries. Yes, yeah. yeah, and you know, if I'm smashing him in the face and he's not throwing anything back, then I'm going to keep smashing him <laughs> because that way I'm going to win. Until he falls over or the yes. rest stops it. And this, I, I know how awful this is to say, but and it, it was it was at the hive. Um, one of the one of the early sessions I came to with you, and we, and we were doing some sparring, and I was you know, very my sparring was kind of very tentative. But I, I was with somebody, and I jabbed straight in the face, straight in the nose, yeah. and the nose started bleeding. Yeah, and I can remember that, and somewhere in my sort of emotional self said, "Oh, you don't you don't punch it again." But somewhere the little red man. We said that's a weakness. I'm going for that. Yeah, um, we've got him. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, it's it, it's about yeah. Well, it's like it's hunt, it's like hunting, isn't it? Um, you know, if a lion goes for its prey, once it draws blood, you know the same. Yep. You see blood. You yep. See red. Yep. You go for it. Exactly. That's how you're going to win. You're not going to win by asking them if they're okay and want to get my tissue. Yes. Yeah. Do you want to take a couple of minutes yeah. to sort that out? Um, and the thing is, well, again, people that don't understand fighting might listen to this and go, oh, it's a bit brutal. But I've had more injuries playing squash or football <laughs> than I have done 30 yep. years of kickboxing. Yep. Because we've got protection. We've got gum shields and head guards yep. and gloves. So you are protected. The worst you will get is a bloody nose. Exactly. In, you know, 99.9% of the time. Nips a wee bit. Okay. Yeah. But, 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 but that you know, the nips a wee bit is actually quite good because it does, it sharpens. You do learn. Yeah. Oh, yes. You do learn to um, enjoy it. And... I remember when you know, all the proper training I've done, it's all been about wearing headguards. Yeah. And we decided on one occasion that we were going to take the headguards off. And what I found about not having headguards was, one, it opened up your field of vision. Yeah. But it also improved your defence. Yeah, because you had to. Because you had to, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's yeah, those 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 little things. But it, it, it is, it's that same mentality will make you successful in life. mm um, improve your defences. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And improve your attack. Yeah. And don't be afraid to try. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. As I say, I, I looked at that. That's how I watched two seasons of Victory come and go and kind of wanted to do it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And so many of the guys who did it will all turn around and say, that's the best thing I've ever done. Mm. Um, and I think it, it, it's, it taps into something quite primeval, really. Yeah, because we are, we are primal Oh, and species, aren't and, we? Yeah. And we forget that a lot these yeah. days. And I think occasionally that comes out quite naturally. Yes. Because of, because of who we are. Yeah. Um, something you touched on on that as well, about kind of, and we talk about this a lot anyway, but the medication side. So, again, because you wasn't 21, I'm assuming you had to go and see a doctor to check that yes. you're fit and healthy to yes. do the boxing, yes. which is the safe thing to do. Yep. Um, and what was that What was that like in respect to like the medical field for... Well, apart from the fact they sort of kind of raised their eyebrows, as if, really? Um, yeah. And I suppose we, we have a, that's what, something about age. Um, but yeah, it was about blood pressure. It was about my medical history, which was relatively okay. Um, I mean, the interesting thing about blood pressure, back in, well, 10 years ago, um, I went to the doctors and I, I can't remember, I think it was a throat infection or something, but did my blood pressure routinely and it was high. And he kind of wanted to put me on blood pressure medication. Yeah. Now, I've never been the slimmest of people or the lightest of people, but at that point I was even more overweight than I am now, probably a good couple of stones, two yeah. and a half stones heavier than I am now. Diet wasn't great, wasn't doing a lot of exercise. And what kind of concerned me was 
the doctor didn't discuss options to medication. Yeah. It was your blood pressure's high, here's a prescription. Yeah. And I read, don't usually read the leaflets in prescription boxes, but I sort of read this and read some of the side effects. And then I did some reading. Um, places at the British Medical Association, so it wasn't kind of quack stuff off Dr. Google. I, I sort of found some decent sources of information. Yeah. And I also spoke to a couple of people who I know who in medicine, doctors and nurses and things, and they were saying that really, once you're on blood pressure medication, you're never off it. Yeah. And I knew, you know, as a weight, diet, exercise. So I got myself, well, that's when I went to the week-long boot camp. Yeah. And I got my fitness sorted. I got my, I shed about three and a half stones. Amazing, well done. Um, and really started thinking about that. And it was kind of one of those wake-up calls. Bought myself a blood pressure monitor so I could do my own blood pressure. Yeah. And... Kind of went back to the doctor a couple of months later, and you, oh, you know, well done. That's that's great. <laughs> but it it meant you know, I'm I'm 60 this year, and I'm proud of the fact I'm still not on any kind of medication for anything. Mm. And I um, think it's so, like so many people will go to the doctors, get prescribed something, yep. and happily take it. Well, I mean, again, there's another example back in the 90s, and my my certain having business issues, and the business wasn't going quite the way I wanted it to. Consequent financial struggles. And I got quite down and I kind of went to the doctor because antidepressants weren't as big then as they are now. So I'm not quite sure what I, want, I expected the doctor to do, but they offered to put me in antidepressants. Yeah. But you had to commit to a minimum six month course. Wow. Line their pockets. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, that was minimum. So what yeah. was it beyond then? And again, I came out of that not really, um, not wanting to do that. I was already doing judo at that time. And one of the things I realised was that the Monday and Friday were judo days. And that hour and a half on the mat had, again, I realised I wasn't thinking about anything else. Yeah. You were focused on what you were doing. Um, and I just, I, I, I cranked up my training. Yeah. And that kind of released, obviously, the stress I was under. Yeah. Um, I've always said with judo or boxing or combat sports you can tell from the person you're training with had a bad day um, <laughs> yeah. and again that sounds flippant but it is very true and I've you, I, I quite often have used judo as a stress release yeah um, so I, I, I did that and that's helped me overcome um, the, the emotional issue you know and, and actually in turn that cleared my head yeah which allowed you to get on with sorting what the problems were yeah um, and so often when you're up against a problem in business or in life, you're so close to that problem yeah. that you can't actually see the exit doors yeah. because you're right there. Sorry, I, I shouldn't demonstrate that. <laughs> As Stuart puts his hand <coughs> in front of his face. But you know, you see, so you're right up against something yeah. and there's, you know, there's exit doors just a few feet away, but because you're so close to the wall, you can't see you them. Can't see it. Um, and just doing... You know, sports a great thing. Yeah. Um, or training or exercise or whatever is a great thing. Just gets you taking that little Take step, step back. back. Yeah. That's when I. That's when I clear my head. So for me, I'm horse riding because yep. I spend eight hours of that at the gym. Um, I can teach a class upside down, back in front, with my eyes closed, and still think about the business side while yep. running a class. But my switch off is when I go horse riding, yep. mainly because if I'm thinking about business whilst on the horse, I'll fall off and die. Yeah. But. By switching off, that then allows me to think about other stuff that I wouldn't normally think yes. about. And it, like I say, for me, that's taking that step back. Yep. And again, anyone who's listening, I think sometimes it's difficult, isn't it, to say, right, well, I'm going to take an hour out of the business, or I'm going to go for a walk, or I'm going to go to the gym, which will take two and a half hours by the time you've gone there and showered and stuff. But sometimes it's, well, sometimes all the time, it's worth I feel, taking that step away. There's also that old phrase that I've heard many times over the years, is that you, you need to work on your business, not yeah. in it. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I, my business has been small businesses, as, as, as yours is. And because you are part of the business, what you do, um, you know, it's, it's not that you're a director who can over, oversee. You've actually, you have a day-to-day -day role within the business. And again, you get quite close to what's going on. And there are those times where you need to t take that step back. And as I say, when, when Dog World was coming to the end, it was those advisors that I sort of found 
um, who were able to sort of help me yeah. sort of take that step back um, and look look properly at the options rather than just having this. Oh God, yeah. what am I going to do now? Yeah, knee jerk reactions. Yeah, and you're firefighting, and you're not actually achieving anything. Yeah, and kind of talking about the business, I was having a conversation. It was about a divorce yesterday, and they they basically said that they've just wasted the last 14 years of their life. They've had a good marriage, they've had a good couple of kids, but they were saying, well, we've just wasted 14 years. I'm divorced myself. And it's not necessarily you've wasted 14 years, you've just had a 14-year journey. That journey's now ended and another one started. And so much pressure's completely flipped on its Mm. head, put on children. Well, what are you going to do as a profession? Mm. But that's going to change. Oh, yes. I wanted to be a fighter pilot. Yeah. But I was too short and my eyes were too bad. So then I wanted to be a fireman, but I was, my English wasn't good enough to be, go and fight fires. But that's what I wanted to yep. do as well as run a gym. Um, but my point is, throughout your years, your path, your journey, you can change dramatically. So there a lot of pressure gets put on children. Um, and again, like you said to me earlier, that at your age now, you've only really just become like, formally comfortable with the framework that you're sitting in. I, th- I think so. Yes, I, I mean, g- going back to that point about the, the the divorce and wasted fourteen years. I think when you come out of something that maybe hasn't been successful, the initial reaction is to think, "Oh God, I wish I'd never done that." Yeah. Um, but looking back now, to you know, when I left school, um, so nineteen seventy-eight, and you think about you, know, what would I have done differently? And I could say, well, yeah, I shouldn't have wasted those two years at agricultural college. If I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have met my wife. Um, yeah. And everything you do um, contributes in some way to, to where you're going. the experience and where you're going. And the stuff that you know I wouldn't have done at a certain stage in my life if I hadn't had the experience. So I, I can quite hand in heart say you know, failures, as, failures as well as, as successes there's nothing I would do differently. Yeah. Um, because I'm actually quite happy with where I am. Yeah. Um, and you know, I look at I, I look at people who've got you know because again there's points in my career where I could have gone in a different way and earned an awful lot more money than I did. And I look at some of the people who've made that choice, but you know they're estranged from the family, they're estranged from the kids, they don't see their kids because they got divorced once and maybe twice. And yeah, they've got the Porsche and they've got the nice house and all the rest of it. But actually, I wouldn't trade what I've got in terms of my family unit yeah. for you know all the tea in China. Yeah, if that's not cultural appropriation. <laughs> um, and then that thing about the pressure and kids to decide what they want to do. And again, turning back to, to seventy eight, there was still that expectation that when you left school, you would because you less than twenty people went to university. Yeah. But when you left school, you would get a job, you do an apprenticeship, you get a training scheme, whatever, and you kind of would follow a job for life. Yeah. And of course, come the, the early 1980s, that concept of a job for life started to disintegrate. And I think people need now to be, yes, they need to have ambition and they need to know what they want to do, but they have to be flexible in their mind to know that actually what I'm doing when I'm 20 is probably not what I'm going to be doing when I'm 30 and I'll be doing something different when I'm 40. And I'm, as I say, I'm 60 this year, and I'm quite happy doing what I'm doing. I've got you know, the property business based in Ashford. I'm playing around with the Hastings and Focus website. Which is your online. That's that, yeah. Yep. And, and that's, that goes back to the fact that I don't like local newspapers are not what they, they were. They're not, when I went to train, the values that I was taught are not it would seem the values of local newspapers today. Yeah. So you know, I want to find positive stories. I want to find stories that talk up the town because if the town's successful, the businesses within it are successful. If all you do is find fault with the town, you know, it, yeah. it, it just you drives it further down. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable doing what I'm doing, but that doesn't mean I'm not looking for <laughs> You know, if something comes along, I, I'm staying alert yeah. um, for open to possibilities, for, yeah, for, for opportunities and possibilities, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah, which. Um, but I, I don't think I'll ever be any different. Now, someone someone asked me if I would ever sell HKA mm. or, or when I will retire. 
Yep. I don't think I ever will. And I don't like if if I won the lottery tomorrow, twenty million pound, fifty million pound, whatever, yeah. and people go, oh, I'd go and live on an island and blah blah. I I would still run the gym. Yeah. Um, the, I'd run it slightly differently because money wouldn't yes. be an issue, but I would still be here yep. because I am generally happy here. I'm generally happy at work. Yep. And I love what I do. So if I had twenty million pound in bank, I would still enjoy what I do. Yep. Uh, and I I don't think that would ever change. And and you enjoy what you do. Because you've created what you do, and and that again is the important thing. Mm. Yeah, if, if you're still in BT, you'd probably be pulling what little hair you've got out. <laughs> um, but you know, so so you 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 weren't happy. You weren't. Um, you know, that wasn't yeah. flicking all your buttons. So do something about yeah. it. I mean, it did take me three years. Maybe f- maybe what, maybe five years. To what, what's three? Your, what's three or five years but, in the yeah. grand scheme of things? Yeah. Um, you know, if you're working towards something and you can see the goal that you're aiming at and that goal's moving ever closer, yeah. then if it takes three or five years, then fine. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, in the scheme of things, that's not yeah. not a long, a long and, time. And that, as you, get, <laughs> as you get to my age, I remember when I was starting out trying to find that first job in journalism and I applied for a training course. And to get onto the training course, you had to be under 20 on the 1st of September in the year in which it started. Yeah. And my birthday was on the 9th of August and I turned 20, so I was effectively too old. Yeah. But I can remember sitting there at 20 thinking, I'm too old, my <laughs> life is over. Um, and yeah. you actually realise that, no, it's, it's, yeah. it's uh, in the words of the carpenters, only just begun. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I want to say thank you. Have you got any advice? Again, you, you've lived a busy life and you've you've changed businesses. You've brought a million pound company. Um, you know you've got in the ring a few times. If there's like any little bit like a golden nugget of advice you could throw out or your gut feeling, it, it's a terrible old cliche to say don't have any regrets um, because inevitably we're always all going to have some. But it, it is that thing you don't you dare to dream. And don't just dream about it, do it. Yeah. If you really want, it's that thing. You are the only person, and I can't stress this highly enough, the only person who can make your life what you want it to be is you. Yeah. You know, the dole, government handouts, whatever, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll patch you, tidy you over a, a difficult spell, yeah. but they're not going to get you where you want and need to go. You've got to rely on yourself. You've got to have confidence in yourself. Um, and if you don't feel confident, find somebody or something that will help. Up. There's so much out there today. There's kickboxing yeah. classes, boxing classes, horse riding classes, football. Yeah, okay, yeah. they're perhaps all closed down at the moment. But <laughs> in, in general, those things yeah. are there. Online kickboxing classes for HK. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the, the, there's, a, there's resources available to you on the internet for yeah. you know, learning education all mentorship that were never there before yeah. um, don't mentorship don't be afraid to ask someone yeah. who's in you know, it, I want to get into that business don't be afraid to ask somebody who's successful yeah. in that business for help because actually they'll probably be happy to tell you how they got there yeah because um, it'll feed their ego a little bit well they've they've walked the walk and taught the talk because yes. they're there you know yep something I, I heard quite recently is you know would you take financial advice from someone that's skint but it's always the person that's skint that wants to try and give you that advice. Yes. You're wasting your money. Why are you spending on that? Well, have, have you got? No. Well, yep. no. Whereas a millionaire could say, well, this is how I made money and this yep. is how I lost money. This is yep. what you shouldn't do. Yep. And this is what you probably should do. Exactly. But it does mean you're going to pay for that service because they're there. But it's, it's very glib. And I know some people will find it difficult. But, yeah, you have to. Yeah, you have to rely on yourself. Mm. You have to be confident in yourself. And you know, at the end of the day, if you make mistakes, you learn. make mistakes. And you, and you learn, learn, from, you learn them. from them. Yeah. Um, 100%. And if you have successes, you know, enjoy those successes. Mm. That's <laughs> me saying that. But, you know, it's you have to enjoy the success. I think that's something we're both guilty of is yep. taking a step back and kind of... I've had, literally last week I wrote down um, in, in my diary you know my goals for this year Mm -hmm. mainly so a it drives me to do them but b once i've done them i can tick them off and at the end of the year i can go oh i forgot i've done that i forgot i opened up a new gym and moved do you know what i mean like so at the end of the year i can 
kind of be accountable for what I have achieved as yeah. well as what I haven't achieved. And, you know, practically that's a wonderful piece of advice because I, I think of that and I've done it myself. Mm. And that, th- that satisfaction of ticking something off because yeah. it's done. Yeah. Um, and it does. It just sets And reminding yourself you've done it as well. Yeah, so exactly. like this morning, I finished off my CCTV that's took me about three months to do it. <laughs> it's a tick in the box for this morning. So brilliant. Um, how can people follow you or find you if they want to see your online paper and bits and pieces? Uh, www.hastingsinfocus.co.uk. Um, so we've got that. We've also got a SoundCloud channel where we've, we've run our own podcasts yeah. and there's more of that coming. Um and yeah, search Hastings and Focus on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Amazing. And keep up to date. And, you know, if people want to contribute material, then great, because that's kind of what it's all about. Yeah. From a personal point, again, we do quite a lot of um, paper articles for, mm. for, for what we do here. And again, I do follow Stuart, and he is one of the only people that I know that will publish positive things about the town, which mm. is great. Like, like Stuart said earlier, it's so important. If you're just posting or following negative, you just pull each other down, mm. and you want to be around people that are going to pull you up. Exactly, because that's exactly. how we all improve. Like, like you said about the businesses, if you write a positive, rather than going look at how many businesses are shut, how about look at these new businesses that have thrived? Yep. Right, how have they thrived? What have they done differently to thrive? Yep. Let's follow them. Let's exactly. copy them. Let's do what they're doing because yep. they're doing something right. Exactly. And if you follow positive people, then it will only help pull you up. Yep, and that thing about getting better—it's—it's it's back to the sports analogy. Yeah. You will never get better unless you challenge yourself against people who are better. Yeah, to be the best, you got to fight the best. Exactly. Simple as that. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. Thank no, you for coming in. I hope you've enjoyed, enjoyed that. And um, thanks for listening. Remember to like, subscribe, and to um, to follow us on our socials. And I will see you again on the next one. Take care, guys. Bye bye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's chat have any questions or feedback for us or would like to be on one of our podcasts leave a review and we will happily get back to you if you would like more details on how hastings kickboxing academy can help you or a family member find all our contact details in the show notes make sure you subscribe to hka's kickstart your confidence podcast and remember it's not just a sport it's a way of life Thank you.